all. Uh, it's so great uh, to welcome you here this evening. For those of you I don't know, my name's Chris, Chris Brockway. I'm the other minister uh, of the church here. Hasn't it been good to think about this story this evening, a story that's been translated into more languages than perhaps we could ever count, a story that's been painted and reenacted and, and sung about more than any other story in the whole of history. It's a story that's been told and retold for the last 20 centuries or more, and here we are this evening in Christchurch telling the story once again. The story of various characters who come on their separate life journeys, but then when you put them together, they converge into this gripping adventure which leads them to the birth of a baby in Bethlehem. And this is no ordinary birth, of course. It's the birth of God with skin on, uh, we sometimes say. It's the birth of the God who came to earth, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, to be with us, to be God Emmanuel, God with us. And this evening, what I want to do just for a few minutes is to just dive into a very small section of this particular story, the story about the shepherds, which Josh and Joan have just read for us. And this evening, I want us to spot just a couple of surprises, but two, identify a few, a few learning points uh, from this story. And the first surprise I think we see in this story is that the shepherds are involved. A question. According to Luke, who does God actually invite to come and see this infant baby? Well, the answer, of course, is a strange collection of shepherds who weren't far away on the hills of Bethlehem. Here we have the shepherds, the only ones who are actually invited to the birth or the just after birth, oh dear, that was unfortunate, of Jesus. That's the first surprise. The only invitation to come and see Mary and Joseph and the baby is sent in a rather dramatic way to this bunch of uneducated, sheep-stinking, low-class, social and religious outcasts. Now, you probably think I'm being a bit harsh to shepherds by describing them like that, uneducated, cheap-stinking, low-class, social and religious outcasts. But let me tell you just a bit about shepherds in their day, because I think this will help us understand why it's a surprise that God would be born in this way and that they would be the first to be the only people to be invited you see, at the time when Jesus was born, shepherds were the last people that you would expect God to take notice of. According to the religious law, these men were classed as being unclean because their work prevented them from participating in the feasts and the holy days, which of course was a very serious concern for the Jews of the day. But too, you'll know if you've ever owned one that sheep are demanding creatures, the constant demands of their flock meant that the, the shepherds simply couldn't observe uh, all the meticulous hand-washing rituals and rules and regulations that were required by the religious law. Whilst everyone else was busy making their trip to Jerusalem to make a sacrifice at the temple, whilst everyone else was participating in the annual feasts, the shepherds were out on the fields watching over their flocks by night, apparently all seated on the ground. In fact, the shepherds were so outcast that they didn't even get counted in the census, which was the thing that was causing all the kerfuffle at the time of Jesus' birth. Here we have the shepherds who existed as a class of people in the Roman Empire who weren't counted because they weren't even considered to be human beings. 
They were so far out of the normal society that they were referred to by other people as the people of the dirt. Well, just to to add to their trouble, since the shepherds were constantly on the move to find new pastures for their flocks, they were often looked upon with suspicion, being accused of being thieves. If something went wrong, the instant response was, well, it must have been those shepherds. It must have been those people of the dirt. So what a surprise for us today in the Christmas story that God would choose to announce the most amazing, the most incredible, the most joyous ever news that has ever been announced to this group of outcasts. Surely you would think there must have been somebody else available. The birth of the one who quite literally changes the course of human history was first made known to those who weren't even regarded worthy of being referred to as human beings. They weren't devout, they were despised. They weren't delightful, they were supposedly disgusting and dodgy and devious and dastardly and downright despicable. That's very difficult to say. And yet God chooses them. It's scandalous really, isn't it, that the saviour of the, the world started under the total exclusion of all of those who would have been considered beautiful and mighty. There were no political leaders. You'll notice Herod didn't get an invite. There were no celebrities. Rose and Giovanni didn't get an invite. There were no honorable religious scholars, no priests, no rabbis. There was not an archbishop or a pope in sight. Surely you would think God must have made a mistake, but he didn't. You see, God has this funny habit in the working out of his master plan to bring the human world and heaven back together again with starting at the lowest point imaginable. He started in the fields of Bethlehem. God comes to the shepherds and says, hey, do you know what? You're the weakest link, so come and be the first people to meet the saviour of the world. And of course, all this should lead us to ask the question, well, where are the fields of Bethlehem today? Where are the people who are not seen? Where are the people who are not recognized? Where are the people who are treated like a piece of sheep dung, a number rather than a human being in our society? If God were to be born today, where are the fields of Bethlehem in our contemporary society? And perhaps today we would say that God would be born in an asylum seeker's home and the first ones to see him would be the other refugees who were just as homeless as he was. I wonder if God were to be born today, whether he'd be born in a prison and the first people to discover him would be the other inmates in the neighboring prison cells. Is it possible that if God were to be born into this world today, that he'd be born into the slums of Nairobi or Karachi or Mumbai or Mexico City and that he'd be placed on a cardboard um, box to sleep to find rest? Is it possible that if Jesus were to be born today, he'd be born into the soup kitchens or into the beaches along the channel or in other such places? I wonder if I would even notice. I wonder if I'd be close enough to the stable or to the fields in order to even catch the good news that the shepherds discovered. You see, the inclusion of the shepherds, I think, gives us a beautiful clue about where God wants to begin as he continues the job of changing the world. Now, I find this really encouraging. If God could open up the eyes of the shepherd to discover Jesus, then there's hope for me too. So that's our first surprise from the story. Don't worry, they get quicker. 
The first surprise is who the invitation to meet Jesus is open to in the first place. And then there's a second surprise, which is all about the angels. Luke's brilliant in this story of this retelling. He says the angelic announcements to the shepherds was the only angelic announcement that has ever involved more than one angel, and it was the only angelic announcement ever made to more than one person at a time. One minute we see the shepherds quietly in the blackness of the winter sky, and then the the next moment, whoomph, on the hillside, it's ablaze with light, and it's booming with the sound of one angel's voice. Verse 9 from that reading, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Well, I bet they were terrified, wouldn't you be? You see, this appearance wasn't socially distant. It was upfront, it was personal, it was overwhelming. The brightness kind of overcame the shepherds. It was the radiance of God's own glory there in those fields. And who was it that got to stand with the light of the angelic glory on their faces? It was the stinking shepherds, of course. Who else would it have been? Now, the effect on the the shepherds is predictable. They, They found themselves in a place of abject terror. They were terrified or sore afraid, or as one version of the Bible reads, they were feared with a great fear. Isn't that great? They were feared with a great fear. So the angel moves firstly to calm their fears and then the angel speaks words which humanity had been longing to hear for centuries, for centuries. Don't be afraid, the angel said. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. At this moment, hope is shining brightly in the darkness of the fields of Bethlehem. This good news angel has the enviable task of being the first person or the first being to declare the news of Jesus' birth and the first people to hear it are the shepherds in the field of Bethlehem. But there's another surprise as well and it's the message. The message is surprising. You'll notice if you remember what the angel said, just how broad this message was. It wasn't just for the pious or for the Jews or for the religious types, but the angel said, this is good news for all people. Good news for all people. What wonderful news that is for those of us today who might find ourselves feeling estranged from God or struggling under some sense of oppression. The birth of a saviour is good news for all people. It's good news for all And then the angel utters the words that the Jews had been longing for, for all this time to hear. These are the the words, amazing words. He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ the Lord. I love this. The minute this truth is announced, he is Christ the Lord by the one angel, the heavens erupt and suddenly you discover in the story there's a huge crowd of angelic beings. The whole of heaven can't sit still after that declaration is made and they come and join in the party. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on the earth be peace to men on whom his favor rests. So there are at least three surprises in this story that might not have surprised us us before, but there are also four really quick things that I think we learn from the shepherds that we can apply to our journeys of faith or our journeys of life today. And the first lesson is this, is that the shepherds didn't procrastinate. Are you good at procrastinating? Well, I'm not too sure, am I? I don't know, am I? Am I? 
Immediately, the minute they hear this news, they say, let us go now to Bethlehem and see. They could have remained in the fields. They could have sorted their sheep out and gone the next day, but they don't. They go and they see immediately. And the amazing news of this story is that nobody is outside the reach of the love of God, even if we stink of the fields of Bethlehem. We're still invited to go without procrastination. The Christian message, this good news, is for real people living real lives. And then secondly, we discover from the shepherds that they found Mary and Joseph. There was a search involved. Mary and Joseph and the child were lying in the manger. They found the child. Now, you can imagine at the time with all that was going on that Bethlehem would have been a fairly busy place. There would have been plenty of people and situations and circumstances, other interesting stop-offs along the way other than the manger. But the shepherds surely had to do a bit of searching before they found the baby. And often to discover Jesus, it takes a bit of a search But there's an amazing promise in the Bible, in the book of Jeremiah, that says this, when you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Those are words that are spoken to people who are lost, who are in captivity, who had lots of big questions in life. And the promise of God that if they search with their hearts, that they will find the Lord. Finding Jesus often includes some searching. And the shepherds found the baby because they put their minds to the search. Seek and you will find. If we seek God's promise to us, his promise is that we will find him. Thirdly, we're nearly there. The shepherds worshipped. I just love the response of the shepherds. The minute they find Jesus, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they'd heard and seen, which were just as they'd been told. You see, worship or adoration or praise is the natural response of any person who discovers Jesus. It's the natural response. Why not this Christmas, even Christmas 2021? Why not join in the worship of this Savior? Do you know, this Christmas actually will feel quite empty if it doesn't evoke a response of thankfulness and of worship for all that God has done for us in Jesus. And then fourthly, lastly, last but not least, the shepherds told others. The minute they'd experienced Jesus, the minute they'd had this encounter with Christ, they went on their way. And it says in the scriptures that Joan and Josh read for us, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. They simply couldn't keep quiet about their experience, but they had to talk about this encounter that they had. And that's the invitation to come, to find, to search, to discover Jesus, and then to tell others about him when we've made that discovery. Do you know, it's been such a joy this evening to remind us and retell this story again. It will be told many, many more times in the years that are ahead. But this story always comes with an invitation. And it's an invitation today for you to discover Jesus for yourself. And if we can help you in any way, shape, or form as a church on that journey, we'd be delighted to help you find him, to worship him, and to love him. My prayer for you today is that God will be with you in your search. Let me encourage you this evening to take the step to find out even more about this amazing Savior who the angel said was going to bring good news and peace on earth. Can we pray together?
Lord God, I thank you so much that in Jesus we see a heavenly God come to earth to reveal himself to us. Lord, thank you so much that in Jesus we can find hope, we can find peace, and most of all, we can find salvation, that ability for our relationship with you, a heavenly God, to be restored. Lord, for each of us this evening, I want to pray that whether we know you already as Lord and Savior or we're still on that journey, that Lord, tonight we would take a few more steps further on with you or we would take a few more steps to you, that we would know what it is to be in relationship with the one who came to be the Savior of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we draw our time towards a close, we've got time for one more carol. We're going to stand and sing together, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. Uh, if you're in good voice tonight, why don't you join in with the squeaky bits? Uh, otherwise, sing the not squeaky bits as we sing this wonderful carol together, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. Glory to you.